Welcome, welcome to Love Your Falva, a podcast on healing the wounds of the past and coming into your best today by being liberated from the power that the past can have over your life and the decisions that you make today that when accumulated end up becoming your life. And this happens without you being conscious of it. So my aim is to bring more awareness and consciousness of how the past steers the present and how we can use it to our advantage rather than the opposite, rather than being led by it unconsciously. Love Your Falva is all about your inner masculine and feminine energy dynamics and how they show up in your external reality, meaning how they affect all your relationships. That's your relationships with family members, friends, romantic partners, lovers, colleagues, strangers, money, job, creative pursuits, the food you eat, and how you treat and take care of your own body, and everything else in your life. Okay, so I'm going to start with a very brief story, a very recent one of just last year on my birthday when I went to a show that was kind of a Cirque du Soleil of sorts and it was a beautiful journey that uh, all these dancers and singers would take the audience on and it was full of color and dancing and loud noises and singing and beautiful costumes and props and equipment and all kinds of things that are um, suspended from the ceiling and coming out of the ground and beautiful stage um, set up and uh, it, it was towards the final third of the show when the lights went out, it was complete silence, and all of a sudden there was this loud noise, boom. And these two acrobats, one on the left side, one on the right side, showed up. All of a sudden the spotlight turned on right on them. They were suspended from the ceiling inside of a hoop. And they were doing all these beautiful acrobatic movements inside of the hoop. And the one that was on the right side was very close to me. It was almost right above my head. And quite honestly, in that moment when the noise fired off, boom, and the light, the spotlight turned on, and I saw this person above me, I zoned out, let's just say zoned out for a few seconds, anywhere between 5 to 15 seconds, I would say. So what I mean by zoned out is I actually dissociated. Now, what does that mean? That means that I left my body. So even though my body was there, my head was turned up, my eyes were locked above me looking at this acrobat, I was actually not really there. And I understood when when I returned um, into my body and I caught myself. I mean, I've had enough practice to be able to catch dissociation by now. And I, I caught myself actually returning to my body and looking around and I laughed out loud and it was loud enough for my laugh to be, um, to, to, to be stifled. But I laughed out loud because it was so exciting to catch myself returning to my body, to catch myself dissociating for a few seconds. Uh, And I just put a hand on my arm, my right hand on my left arm, and I just just kind of felt my arm, I squeezed it, and I thought to myself, you're here, Hoda, stay in your body. (laughs) So this dissociation that I just described for you is just one of the 17 symptoms 
of the generational trauma of war that I'm going to break down for you today and your mind is going to be blown because a lot of the things that I'm going to be talking about with you today is actually uh, labeled as as a mental illness or as uh, some sort of ailment, or um, a lot of people are going into therapy, couples therapy, etc., for this list of items that are, I believe, symptoms directly coming from uh, the generational trauma of war. Now, what we're going to touch upon today is specifically what generational hand-me-downs are. And when I say generational hand-me-down, that includes generational traumas, generational beliefs, and generational patterns and attitudes that have been handed down to us that worked in the past for our forefathers and foremothers, but no longer work for us bipedal animals of the 21st century today. That's what I mean by a generational hand-me-down. So traumas, beliefs, patterns, and attitudes that worked in the past when people were trying to survive but don't work for the 21st century human being who wants to not only survive but thrive in the most peaceful state that the earth has ever experienced. Now you might say, I don't come from war, but I've got news for you. If you have, say, your great-grandmother's eyes or your grandfather's nose or your mom's nails or your dad's long arms, for example, uh, then that means that you understand that physically there is a pattern, a blueprint that is handed down to you from generation to generation that has created the physical creature that you are today. I think that that's easily established through high school biology already, right? So now it's not only the physical DNA that we take on the physical hand-me-downs that we take on from generations past. It's emotional, attitudinal, the attitudes, and relationship dynamics as well that get handed down to us. Now, one of our shared human traumas in the generations past, so we're not talking about you, we're not even talking about mom and dad, Um, But this might apply to to some of you out there. Mom and dad maybe have had experiences of war. But to keep it safe, if your grandparents or great-grandparents or great-great-great-grandparents went through any kind of war, this will probably include 99% of the people on the face of the planet, then the generational trauma of war and its symptoms apply to you and how they're showing up in your relationships today. Let's let's start with number one. Let's just dive in, shall we? The first one is scarcity and hoarding. So having a mindset that there's never enough to go around for everyone. Never enough food, never enough love, never enough people and connections, never enough support, never enough love, never enough water, never enough. It, there's always a shortage. And that leads to hoarding, whether it's hoarding something physical like hoarding food 
um, any kind of supplies, hoarding toilet paper in a pandemic, <laughs> hint, hint, nudge, nudge, or uh, hoarding lovers, hoarding um, money and wealth in business. It's never enough because your mind is on this response to war that I am not going to survive. I need to have in my hands tangibly as much as possible because it's gonna run out and I'm gonna be left high and dry and I'm not gonna survive. The opposite of this uh, programming is the belief and the faith that there's always more than enough to go around and I'm gonna prove it to you. When was the last time you actually ran out of oxygen? We're not talking about if you felt like you were short of breath or you ran out of breath or you were working out and you felt like your body needed to pump extra blood to your heart and your organs to breathe better. We're talking about just oxygen not being there at your service to feed you with the oxygen that you need. When was the last time that happened? Would you agree that there is an abundance of oxygen to keep you alive at any given moment, just naturally. All right, I think that's enough. We don't need too many other elements as examples. I can give you a bunch of other examples, but I think the one thing that's keeping you alive more than anything else is the oxygen that you're breathing into your lungs. And if that's abundant and that's keeping you alive automatically, then maybe we could just make a little bit more of an effort to focus on abundance rather than scarcity. Number two is reactivity. So constantly being reactive, being in fight, flight, freeze mode, constantly wanting to defend yourself, feeling like you need to fight someone, you need to fight back, you need to defend your honor, your respect, your family, whatever it is that you need to defend. It's like a feeling of being in war and that people are at war with you. And so you are very highly reactive. Number three, catastrophizing. What is catastrophizing? It is making a mountain out of a molehill. In your relationships, when something small goes down, do you catastrophize it? Do you turn it into something out of proportion, big and, and horrible and tragic, uh, and then regret it and think, oh my goodness, I was a little bit too dramatic? Because the underlying reason why we catastrophize is that the most urgent way for the mind to get its needs for emotional support met is to fantasize catastrophes, fantasize worst case scenarios, because then you will see who I truly am and how great a person I am. And you will finally appreciate me because my reaction in that tragic experience will be stellar. Middle Eastern, Mediterranean shows, Western soap operas. They're great examples of um, such catastrophizing. Uh, and, And that's why it's so 
kind of verging on disgusting to watch these shows. Uh, how is this related to war? War and death led to honorary titles and appreciation of one's life and heroism. And so you can connect the dots there. Number four, condoning bad behavior. So imagine that any one of the uh, male figures in the family, in the past mostly male figures, went to war. Um, not talking about modern times, we're talking about the past. And the the father, the man of the house, the, the uh, older brother, would go to war and come back uh, traumatized, basically. And there were no resources, there was no therapy, nothing. And this person would go into rage, for example. Or this person would start throwing things, or just act out of whack and uh, usually mom in the house what she would do was she would uh, tell the kids that the dad was either just tired or that this is nothing or that it'll go away and rage and overreaction and anger and outbursts were not seen for what they were. They were brushed under the rug, denied, condoned. Um, there was no lucid and clear communication around what was happening. Children were expected to process what had just happened, what had just scared the crap out of them as normal behavior, as something that would just go away on its own. And this condoning of uh, such behaviors and emotional outbursts uh, can translate today in your relationship relationships as having no boundaries and finding excuses and reasons, uh, even from under a rock, if you must, to condone what's being done that is breaking your boundaries, that is hurting you, that is scaring you, uh, that is making you feel immense discomfort and is causing you to bite your tongue and not vocalize anything about how you might feel, but to retreat to your room like you did during childhood and just pretend all was well and that this was normal behavior. Let that sit with you. Number five is resentment and having no closure in fights and or in relationships that have ended up in separation or divorce. So you will have grown up watching this in relationships, watching adults get on each other's nerves or fight or uh, come into conflict of some sort, not come into resolution and finally end up leaving the scene or leaving the fight or leaving the argument without any kind of resolution. And even if they did end up coming into resolution, it was behind closed doors and the children usually ended up being exposed to the drama and not the resolution. They would just wake up the next day or, or however many days later seeing that everything was okay, but the actual process of solving the problem was not witnessed. The only thing that the children saw was one partner, one parent figure, making a sacrifice of some sort so that the peace would be kept 
in the house. And again, this can show up in your relationships today as being filled with resentment, having no closure in your relationships, leaving relationships open-ended, without closure, with a broken heart. Um, And also microcosmically on a smaller level inside of relationships as letting things go, quote-unquote, letting things go, but actually not letting things go deep within, not processing it emotionally, and letting it build up until there is some sort of outburst. Or finally thinking, okay, I need to leave this relationship. So there's that. Number six, unresolved incidents uh, in the house that were kept hushed. Like some kind of tragic thing, some kind of accident, some kind of trauma, some kind of death, some kind of loss happened, and the grieving process wasn't fully there. It was hushed, it was uh, denied, it was pretended that it never even happened. Everybody had to process this uh, thing that had happened um, on their own, especially as children. It's very difficult to process family traumas, uh, things that happen in the family that need to be spoken about, that need their that need lots of support, that need to be talked about and brought out in the open, they're kept hushed and children are left to their own devices to process all of that. If somebody died in your family, if so, there was a separation in your family, if there was something tragic that happened and uh, you never actually talked about it and never actually grieved openly, then that could be um, something that needs to be looked at in your life today and it could be a blockage of your energy and can show up in your relationships today as a strategy to your relationships. So when things happen, you just try to process it on your own and you never bring it up. Number seven is dissociation, which is what we opened this entire podcast with. And uh, basically dissociation comes from two things. Number one, war, which is when somebody got shell-shocked. Like imagine all those noises, the bombs, the the guns shooting and basically what happens as a result of going through that is you become shell-shocked. So uh, any kind of loud noise could cause you to go into a post-traumatic response, uh, one of which is dissociation, which is leaving your body, like you go into freeze mode, you freeze. And Another source of it is during childhood. So an adult around you would have an outburst or a parent would go into rage or a teacher would suddenly punish you. Um, If you laughed in class and the teacher all of a sudden raised her or his voice, uh, this could lead to dissociation because uh, the child suddenly gets confused and uh, their their emotional state suddenly switches. And in that switch, there's, there can be a lot of confusion and that confusion can cause the child to leave the body and um, just kind of go into a zoned out frozen mode. And it takes some work as an adult for you to come back into your body. The thing to do is to meditate, throw yourself into a lot of meditating, feeling the ground underneath you, grounding exercises, putting your hands on the ground, walking with your feet, bare feet in the grass, um, touching trees uh, for long periods of time, uh, for for at least 30 seconds, let's say. Uh, And uh, yeah, just 
feeling your own fingers touching your own knees, ankles, um, arms, uh, your own neck, your own head, uh, giving yourself a head massage. All of these things are grounding exercises that help you to slowly uh, lessen and lessen the experience of dissociating. Number eight is mistrust and distrust. Mistrust is trusting someone too soon and then regretting it. And distrust is not trusting people at all. So being skeptical and cynical um, to the extent that having fruitful relationships becomes a little bit, let's just say, challenging. So uh, yeah, this is because of a lack of self-trust. And the best way to come into self-trust is to put yourself in situations that are less familiar for you, that are more unfamiliar. And that's that's a personal thing. So what, something that might be unfamiliar for me might be super familiar and normal for you. One thing that might be common for you might be completely unfamiliar for me. So for some people, it might be, for example, commitment. So when I went on my trip to Italy last year, I had a really difficult experience in the beginning at the farm on that remote village. I felt like I was being stretched on every level, psychologically, emotionally, physically. And even one of the people who was there told me that nobody stays, people leave. And for me, this was about commitment. I had committed to three weeks there and I had resolved to stay and I mustered up all my courage and committed to it. And and once I came out of that experience, it made me feel taller. It made me feel taller. And I'm borrowing this from a client that I saw uh, just recently, actually, after many months after she had completed her transformation journey with me. And what she said was, after this journey with you, I feel taller. I thought that was the most beautiful way of putting into words how you feel after committing to a transformation. And yeah, if you feel like you need to come into more trust with other people, you first need to come into more trust with yourself. And one way to come into more trust with yourself is to put yourself in unfamiliar situations and commit to seeing it through, following through and bringing a task to completion and and feeling responsible for it. So, yeah, let's move on to number nine. Number nine is suicide ideation, and it comes from two things. A, having no support, no emotional support. So because you feel alone and lonely and that you have no support um, in a time that is taxing, it's pressing, there's a lot of pressure on you, you feel lonely, the best resort and strategy to solving that problem is basically death. So it's easy to idealize suicide. B, the next thing is in war, death was an honor again. So think of just how many in war said the words, get me out of this pandemonium. I mean, I've always been really interested in war movies, and I think um, war movies always piqued my interest, probably because 
because of my curiosity uh, about human nature. And um, I always just wondered as a teenager how it could possibly be possible (laughs) for a human made of flesh and bone to go through that, to be put through such an atrocious thing as war, to have to hold a weapon and stand in front of another human being of flesh and bone with family and loved ones, etc., and kill each other. So because of that curiosity and watching all these movies, I have this this understanding of it, I think, um, that causes me to, to this day, still wonder, wonder in awe um, about all the thousands of years of war behind us that was actually condoned. And not even, like, not just condoned, but you got a medal for it. Like, you became a hero for it. But imagine, behind all of that crap of honorary this and hero that and, oh, wow, our our local hero who... Behind all of that crap, imagine the thousands, the hundreds of thousands, the millions of young creatures out there on those fields saying, Dear God, I just want to die. Like, this is crazy. This is horrible. This is a nightmare. I I want out of here. Right? So you can connect the dots of this scenario to the current pattern in our brains of suicide ideation. Anyway, let's move on from that. Number 10. Number 10 is depression, another symptom. Number 11 is anxiety. So if you wake up with a heavy feeling on your chest, um, that means that your body is waking up feeling unsafe, not feeling safe and secure. This could be a direct hand-me-down from the trauma of war. Number 12 is having recurring nightmares, lots of nightmares. In my 20s, I would have nightmares that were so awful, I would wake up thinking, WTF, what in the heck was that? (laughs) So uh, this is your unconscious mind basically on its knees asking you to pay some attention to some things, to stop running and to um, get still and get to know yourself and allow for some stuff to surface, to come up, to be integrated, to be accepted, to not be rejected and denied. Stop running. Stop running from yourself. Number 13. Number 13 is insomnia and sleeplessness. Again, that is a call for attention. Number 14 is panic attacks. So that is uh, different triggers uh, coming from different places that are actually completely safe. Like, for example, being in a subway, as a friend of mine used to experience, he would call me and he would say, I'm going to die, I'm going to die because I'm taking the subway. And it was just that the subway triggered him to feel unsafe in his body and to believe, to go into this stubborn belief that he was going to die and what was important in that moment was to bring him back into his body again to feel 
safe and in the present moment. Number 15 is being prone to illness. You have a beautiful, miraculous, functioning immune system and its function is to keep you healthy, alive, happy and well and full of energy. And if you are prone to illness and you keep getting sick, you need to look at what its message is. What is it trying to tell you? There's not There are no accidents in this world. You don't just keep getting sick for no reason. You gotta stop, slow down, get still, and start going into dialogue with your inner world, with your body, and start doing some inner, deep inner work to see why it is that you're constantly getting sick, as I was in my 20s, constantly in and out of hospitals. So moving on. Moving on, the final two, my two favorites, I keep the best for last. Number 16 is the one that the ego likes to deny the most, the most, because you can cover it up in all kinds of ways. So the ego likes to um, achieve things and likes to show its achievements and likes to hang out with certain people maybe and likes to talk in a certain way and be a certain way and in order to make you believe that this isn't true. So what is this? What is number 16? What is this second last symptom of war? Low self-worth, low self-esteem rooted in shame and or guilt. This is a direct outcome of war. Killing another human being can lead to, without exception, leads to the lowest of emotions because it goes against our core, our core, our very source, that that vital point inside of you. What is What is our core? What does the core, the human core look like? I want you to place your hand on your heart and really feel into this one. Let's get grounded and let's get intentional and let's get present together with a deep diaphragmatic breath. Deep breath in. And exhale slowly. I'm going to read a list of words and I just want you to feel into them. See how it feels in your body. You, as a human creature, as an individual, are abundant, worthy, deserving of the very best, capable, healthy, able-bodied, Potent, present, patient, deep reservoirs of energy, access to wealth, health, laughter, joy, humor, peace, healing, flowing, fulfillment. How does that feel? (laughs) 
So the last words that I used were flowing fulfillment. Flowing fulfillment is the heart of the transformation journey that I've created. And I've chosen these words because I believe that flowing fulfillment is like a river that flows. It's got its ups and downs, it's got its little waves, but it always flows. Reliably so. You can always return to it. Because that's what life is, right? It's got its ups and downs. It's both the expanse of joy and love and uh, contentment and the expanse of grief and pain. And whichever land we find ourselves on, we can always return home to our own core, to our source. It's always reliably there to offer us peace and safety. And the way to come into this reliable, ever-flowing place of peace and safety is really important for us to feel safe in our bodies. And in order to do that, we need to heal those symptoms from our bodies because these are physical, physical symptoms. So I hope that that clicks and makes sense for somebody out there. The final and, of course, my final favorite symptom is dysfunctional family dynamics aka dysfunctional relationship dynamics because relationship dynamics come from the family dynamics that we grew up in and this is going to be uh, our next podcast. We're going to take a look at what that looks like, how that translates in our relationships today and what the new can look like. Speaking of the new, I would love to round up our podcast today with uh, an intention set in our hearts together. I would love for you to either keep your hand on your heart or place it back on your heart and take a deep breath with me and set this intention in your heart if it deeply resonates with you. So a deep breath in and out. Let's start to steer our lives in a new direction. Let's steer away from the old, from the symptoms, from the stuff that no longer serves us into a new direction. Let's invite new oxygen into our lungs, new ways, new strategies, new patterns that look vital, vivacious, and fresh. Let's steer onto a path where we breathe in fresh oxygen and release the carbon dioxide. We breathe in the new, release the old, breathe in the fruitful, release the harmful, receive the beneficial, let go of what doesn't serve us. Let's come into what is healthy for us and let go of release, breathe out dead cells grounded and rooted in all the wisdom of the past generations that have led to you and I being here and now and step into step into what serves us that the generations of the past may not have understood 
let the wisdom of the past, without denying it, without rejecting it, without running away from it, but accepting it, seeing it for what it is, taking what does serve you, taking the essence of all that wisdom and adding with it what you want that will serve you in this day and age and let it all permeate, mingle and mix within you to become the beginning of your sovereign creatorship. Breathe that in and simply trust the rest. <laughs> Thank you for tuning into this third episode of Love Your Falva, Love the Balance Within, Love the Masculine and the Feminine, Love the Past and the Present, Look Forward to the Future, Love Mom and dad don't choose it's not this or that as dr carl gustav jung says this and that it's the most joyful most fulfilling place to live life off of i'm wishing you love and light healing self-knowledge empowerment and balance your way always <laughs> <laughs>